everybody, and welcome to another very special fall episode of Ignite Radio Live. You are with Greg and Stephanie Schleter over the five mighty stations of Annunciation Radio for the Almighty. We are blessed to be with you, and we have a very special guest also. Before we get to him and announce him, we invite you to join us in this great adventure of marriage and family at, yes, let's proclaim it once again, friends, I I Love love My my family. Family. Dot US. In particular, the Live It Gathering Guide, where you have an opportunity to gather as family to talk and to pray. Well, to encourage you to check out our recent programs. We really aren't about being edgy. Like, we don't wake up in the morning and say, how can we be edgy? But look at the world around us. Do we not experience conflict, tumult, difficulty? How do we make sense of that? By its very nature, Christ entered this world and there was conflict. Look at a cross, right? And uh, and so we want to make sense of that. And we want to understand who we are and whose we are in this arena to make sense and know that God is in it with us. Listen to those recent uh, podcast radio episodes at IgniteRadioLive.com. And finally, we do invite your support of this ministry. We are 100% dependent upon your financial support to keep this radio program and our movement going. Check it out at MassImpact.us forward slash partner. MassImpact.us forward slash partner. With no further ado, we are so delighted to have our guest tonight, the managing editor of none other than The Babylon Bee. Welcome to the program, Joel. Thanks for having me. It's, uh, it's an honor. It's very appropriate that you have a prophetic name, Joel. Have you have you always made that connection to uh, your prophetic uh, calling? Y- yes, um, I I love I love my name. Um, so for anyone listening, it means Jehovah is God. Um, I really wanted to to name one of my kids uh, after after me, um, but we had twins <laughs> right out the bat. I had two boys to start, so I I couldn't name one of them after me and the other one not. So I what we ended up doing was our we just had our fifth uh, child uh, about a month ago, and uh, uh, we named him. His middle name is Ellis, which is uh, my God is Jehovah. Beautiful. Um, and uh, so I, I, I did manage to get it in there, thankfully. But yeah, it's it's uh, it is kind of funny. It's it's ironic how we uh, we we tend to live into our names, and and uh, it's uh, it's amazing that I'm I'm doing what I'm doing now. I, I still pinch myself. I can't I can't believe uh, what what God has really, what, what God has done in my life. It's, it's, it's been quite a story. So for the uninitiated folks, the Babylon Bee is really on the front lines of bringing clarity to this moral and spiritual landscape, which can often be very confusing. And I might say, if you go to the babylonbee.com, they're very famous for their memes. They're very famous. I will say, when I say rhetoric, I mean in the St. Augustine sense, which is to take eternal truths and make them accessible. And the form may not be something many Christians have heard about or are used to. There's satire. There is some sarcasm in there. I just right out of the gates want to set the stage that there's an appropriate place for some of these conventions. We see it in effective forms of communication throughout history and certainly even in scripture. For those who want to think that Jesus was all warm, fuzzy feelings and sunshine and butterflies, um, you know, he's, he called them vipers. He called them a, a den of thieves, etc. And the word fools, blind fools, the root of that word. Now, this people may re- resist this, but check it out. The etymology of the word fools is literally moron. So straight up, he's calling people morons. He's coming right out and saying this. Now, understand. You're this, going, Edge. You're going there. Go I just want to set the stage because Babylon B is, is, you know, our daughter. We asked today. She's 
she's uh, okay. Go ahead, Steph. She's pointing. I want to talk about this. Go <laughs> I'm ahead. Like, trying to push him away from the mic. Here. And by the way, we do want to get to the setup of his story, but just to let you know, folks, BabylonB.com. You can find Joel Berry at Twitter. Um, twenty thousand plus followers and growing every day in addressing some of these key issues. So I'm setting that just to let you know where we're at now. In a second, we're going to go back, but Steph has a burning question. Well, it's not really a burning question, but I just I laughed when you mentioned the Babylon Bee, Greg, because I think many of our listeners all of a sudden perked up and turned up the volume and <laughs> probably laughed out loud already just hearing that phrase. And then many other listeners, I'm sure, who were like, the what? <laughs> so you gave a, a mini description, which obviously we're going to go more deeply into. Um, the Babylon Bee, as with many families in their texting group chats, I'm sure, like ours, the Babylon Bee memes make it in many days through the week and just is shared. And so we tossed out a little um, text in that family group chat today and just asked our kids um, if there were any questions that they wanted us to ask the infamous Joel Berry. And um, the one response that stood out the most was, no questions, just in awe. <laughs> so just very cool. And our daughter, who has a little one and is at home with her, was you know, said amidst everything that taking care of a baby she is blessed with, she says, you know, it it is truly the laugh out loud moment in her day as, you know, she's she's reading and viewing your stuff. So thank oh, you for that. Really... And as we're diving in, you had mentioned, you know, you can't believe that you're you are where you are at, where the Lord has brought you to. So great launching point for we love yeah. to proclaim on this radio show. The scripture, Revelations twelve eleven, they defeated the enemy by the blood of the Lamb, as Catholics were so blessed to have the Holy Mass, but Christ sacrificed for all people, right? Mm-hmm. And by the word of their testimony. And so we love to give people the opportunity to proclaim that testimony, to defeat the enemy by proclaiming what the Lord has done in each and every life. So Joel, go for it. <laughs> all right. Yeah. So. Well, that's that's wonderful. I love that. I um, yeah. It it's I, I'm gonna try not to be too long winded here, I guess, because it's it's such a weird uh, it's a weird story. I I think that you know just how I ended up here. Um, but I I grew up in a Christian home. I I'm I'm one of six uh, kids. Mm. Uh, we were homeschooled, you know, Christian home. You know, fundamental, very fundamentalist. You know, mm-hmm. hardcore Christian uh, uh, upbringing. Um, you know. Almost, I, I guess you know if you if you follow kind of like some of the the deconstructionists and the ex-evangelicals mm-hmm. now, a, a lot of the people who are very angry and bitter who have left Christianity, I I uh, I know a lot of those people. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I, I grew up in this very very strict fundamentalist world uh, for a couple of years there. Actually, my parents actually were uh, they we kind of accidentally got involved in a cult. Um, Ooh, yeah, and. Uh, um, you know, I think they, they wised up a few years in and we ended mm-hmm. up getting out of it, but just to kind of give you an idea, that's, that, that was my upbringing. So, you know, I, right. I was, I knew the scriptures, uh, from a very young age. Um, you know, I received Christ and, and was baptized at a young age. Uh, and, uh, I think w- when I, when I turned, um, 18, I, I had this very distinct sense that, um, I really didn't know who I was. I really didn't know if this faith was mine or if God was real. Mm. Um, and I, I was questioning a lot. You know, I, I think a lot of people have that, you know, people who, who grow up in, uh, you know, a strong Christian household, 
eventually have to face this question mm-hmm. is, right. you know, is this real? Is my faith mine or was I conditioned into this? You yep. know, was I brainwashed, you know? And so um, I, I had, uh, I had gone uh, to a Christian school uh, for my freshman year of college, uh, got very bad grades because I was extremely lazy. Uh, <laughs> and uh, I came back after that first year, kind of not really lost, not really knowing what to do. And um, I thought, you know what, I, I'm going to join the military. Um, and I'm not going to tell my parents. <laughs> Interesting. <laughs> and, and, yeah. Um, and so I, I, I joined the Marine Corps and, um, I came home, told my folks, uh, yeah, I joined the Marines and, uh, you know, I ship out for boot camp in, in a few weeks here. And, um, wow. That was, that was, that was, it was pretty tense there for a while. Sure. <laughs> right, right. You know, it was kind of like me, you know, asserting myself a little bit like, mm-hmm. hey, you know, hey, I'm, I'm an adult now. I'm going to go do my own thing and, and, uh, and, and figure this out. And, um, you know, God bless my parents. They, they, they uh, prayed for me. Um, you know, I, I really, I say my mom, she prayed me into the kingdom. I, mm. I, uh, it's amazing. I, I, to any parents out there, who feel lost and frustrated and, and, uh, hopeless, you know, about your children, um, just pray. Mm. Um, uh, there's nothing more powerful, Mm. uh, than than to pray for your kids. So anyway, I, I left for, for camp. I, uh, you know, I, within, uh, a year or so I was overseas. I was in, I was in Iraq, uh, Mm. as an infantryman. Uh, I, I I fought in Fallujah for, uh, for a year. Um, and during that year, um, I was kind of, I was taken out of, uh, you know, my Christian bubble, if mm-hmm. you will. Um, we were patrolling almost every day. So we didn't have church services. Um, there were really no other strong Christians in my platoon that I could fellowship with, mm-hmm. uh, oh. just completely were ripped away from, from the whole thing. All I had was a, a, a small pocket Bible that was big enough to kind of fit in one of my magazine pouches and my flak jacket. And, um, and I would just read that, um, in my spare time. Beautiful. And, um, during, during that year, um, I read through the gospels and, um, I, I read Jesus in his own words. And, um, I, I really, I encountered the presence of God in, in a godless place Mm -hmm. in a very dark place where there was no church, no Christian culture Mm -hmm. nearby, no youth group. Um, I, I read the word of God and I encountered Jesus and um, he saved me while I was there. I, I, amazing. I, I realized this is real. Um, you know, th- this is all real. And, uh, and so, um, so yeah, that's, that's what, what I, you know, when people ask, you know, when were you saved? That's, that's what I tell them. I was, you know, when I was over overseas. Um, so I, you know, I came back, you know, I, I, I got my degree after, after the military I think, uh, you know, that was kind of part of my political awakening too, uh, because, you know, having spent a year in a, in a place that is war torn and, mm-hmm. and, uh, and dark and people don't have the same freedoms that we have. I came back to America and realized, wow, this is, I mean, what is this place? How does this place mm-hmm. even exist? Mm-hmm. This, um, this amazing inheritance that we have. And I, mm-hmm. I became very, um, very adamant about learning, learning more about it and, and how do we protect this? Um, and, and pass it down to our kids. So that's that's kind of uh, what got me a little more interested in politics than I had been in the past. And so 
um, you know, a lot of things happened in between then and now. I, you know, I, I finished my degree. It was in uh, uh, flight technology and operation. I, I got married. I got a job in logistics. Um, and, you know, and my wife and I, we, we lived 10 years and had kids and I just had a normal corporate job. Um, and I was miserable in this corporate job. I, <laughs> I kept having dreams that, uh, I, that I was missing something, um, that I was, uh, yeah. that there was something around the corner that, that, uh, I was supposed to be doing that, that I was missing. And, um, um, I started talking to my wife about it and, uh, she said, you know what, um, you need to leave this career and, uh, you need to figure this out. Go wise and, wives. Uh, I mean, she, she said, I, cause I had been talking about kind of my passions and the things that I've been thinking about. And she said, I, I want your eyes to always look the way they look right now. Mm. And um, she said, I, I will pull some extra shifts at the hospital. She was a nurse at the time. And, and she said, take a year off, figure this out and, and, uh, and we'll be okay. And so that's what I did. I, 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 took a year off. I left the kind of logistics and sales uh, world and I just started writing. Um, I started a podcast. I started a blog. I started uh, writing columns for different newspapers and things like that and kind of, uh, you know, uh, uh, getting my thoughts out there. And that's what led to the B. I mean, I, I started uh, uh, as a, just a fan of the Babylon B like everyone else. I remember the first uh, headline I encountered on my Facebook feed was, uh, uh, Holy Spirit unable to move through congregation after the fog machine breaks. <laughs> <laughs> and I thought, like, there you go. Are, who are these guys? This is amazing. Yes. And a cup of coffee. <laughs> <laughs> Latte. That Cappuccino. That's so good. That's so good. <laughs> yeah. And so I, I thought, man, it, you know, I'm, I was an instant fan, of course, at right. that point. And um, during that year that I took off, I, I just started submitting ideas, um, headlines every now and again. And, and, you know, turned out they like what I was submitting. Um, they asked me to start doing more and, uh, that turned into kind of a little part-time gig on the side for them. And within a few months, that was a full-time gig. And wow. so now, uh, me and Kyle Mann, the editor in chief, uh, you know, we, we write the, you know, the lion's share of it. And then we have part-time writers around the country that also contribute. And, uh, what, what a ride. I mean, I, I can't believe I'm doing this for a living. It's, it's, it's a real miracle, but I'm exactly where God, God, uh, where I should be, where God wants me. Amen. Joel, thank you first and foremost for your service to our country and, and experiencing all that you experienced for us. So I mean that sincerely. So thank you. Praise God thank that you. you were brought back safely. Praise God for your mom <laughs> and her prayers. When you said <laughs> yeah. that you, when you yeah. broke the news to them, I'm like, my first thought was, oh, he's getting so many extra prayers, <laughs> you know, because that's a mom's <laughs> heart and a father's heart, right? Um, thank you for being yeah. open to the grace that the Lord wanted to pour down into you and through you and, you know, just your receptivity with that and experiencing him in that encounter. So praise him for that. Your wife, obviously, um, but just your openness in, in that leading Joel, the prophet, right? Just the, um, yeah, just, I'm just moved to say that. And what an inspiration to anyone listening now who feels like the Lord's not guiding the Lord's hand is always Mm. there. And, you know, the people praying for you and, um, just that plan, like the Lord has a plan and a purpose mm. for you. And um, so, yeah, I just want to give honor and glory to God for 
for that in, in every way, but in particular through your testimony. So thank you. I want to press you, Joel, a second, going back to that moment where you crossed the Rubicon from my parents' faith and actually owning it. If you could kind of flush out as much as you can, what's distinctive about crossing that chasm? Because it sets you up, it seems to me, with a kind of clear connection to God. As streams of living water guided your path, they gave you confidence, it gave you peace, and it's worthy of pursuing. And I wonder how many right now who are listening who even wonder if there's more than just if you're going through the motions. Flush that out a little bit. Mm, that's really good. Um, it's mysterious. <laughs> mm, you know, mm-hmm. I, I can only ex- I can only talk about it experientially. I mean, uh, mm. you know, because there is a difference. Um, and, and sometimes we kind of mistake the two, you know, between between kind of going through the motions and and actually um, it being real, uh, being filled with the spirit, but at the same time, you know, sometimes going through the motions can lead mm-hmm. to, right, to absolutely. being real, yeah. you know, it's, yeah. the, there's a strange interaction between the, the physical and the spiritual that, that, that is just, uh, mind blowing to me. And I think, um, I, I can't explain it beyond a, um, a, for me, there was this transformation while I was over there um, where I think, first of all, in reading the words of Jesus, they're, they're so mm-hmm. incredibly compelling and they, they, he, he breaks down um, every possible uh, barrier and objection and uh, dogma that you might hold to that, uh, that, that is, I guess, baggage, you know, if mm-hmm. you want to call it religious baggage or whatever, he, 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 he has this way of cutting straight to the the actual issue and the sin in your heart. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, um, and I just, I just remember feeling this incredible, um, this peace uh, and, and a gratefulness uh, mm-hmm. and a joy and also a protection. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I, I did, I got this distinct sense while I was over there that, that God was protecting my heart and my mind, you know, because we're, I mean, we're in combat. I, I lost right. friends, you know, right. we, I lost more friends after coming home to wow. suicide. And, wow. And, um, it's, it, you know, we saw things that, that, uh, you know, people shouldn't have to see. Mm-hmm. Um, and, um, the entire time, um, I, I felt God's presence and I felt his protection mm. and his reassurance that, that, that I am protecting you. Amazing. That, that I'm preserving you for something, something else. And, and, um, um, it was so, it was so real. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was so just almost to the, almost to being tangible that I couldn't deny it. Mm-hmm. You know, it, 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 it was no longer just something that I, uh, a set of beliefs I assented to and, and a, a practice that I, I, you know, I did on Sundays, it, it, it was, it inhabited me, mm-hmm. you know, and I love that to this word. day, I, 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 I can't, um, you know, you know, there are things that test your faith all the time. You, we, you still have doubts. You still have mm-hmm. questions, you know, people that you look up to and idolize fail you and have moral failings. And we, mm-hmm. we see, we see what's going on around the world, you know, the tragedy, so many reasons to doubt and question, but, um, God has me in his hand and he won't Mm. let me go. Mm. I I can't explain it. (laughs) I want to jump off of that because I think that that for me, and you've woven this in everything you've just said that is, is very validating and moving. Just that illumination, that awakening that God 
cares about me personally, that every yes. hair is, is counted. And there's a certain kind of awakening when one connects with that. And then the word of God isn't simply ink configured a certain way on a piece of paper or something that people be comfortable rehearsing, but it truly is the heart of a loving God who made us and is speaking these truths. Like he, he has me in mind. And even just to think like, okay, in this moment, in your case, the moments that you read scripture, certainly up to present day, like he saw this at the beginning of time. Like he saw when he created all the entire world and he suffered and died looking ahead to this moment, knowing that in my anguish, my suffering, my discontent, my narcissism, my sin, my lust, that he'd be offering me the supply for which all of that stuff is fake and artificial. How do you cultivate that? Without which, you and I know, as you spoke of friends, many of my friends also, they lose, and it's not just the romance, it's not just a feeling, right? That's part of the problem today is a subjective caprice. We're not just talking. There's a sense of encounter, though, that God yeah. does want us to have, but it isn't anchored on the feeling. We can have yeah. the darkness. We can have the dryness, and I know you get that. Just give, for anybody listening, some insights. How do you maintain, cultivate, and grow this intimacy with a loving God? Yeah. Oh, that's so good. Because I, I think especially my generation, you know, the, the millennials, we are restless. I think a, a lot of my friends growing up as Christians, you know, we were chasing a feeling. Uh, we, we, you know, a lot of us would church hop and we're looking for the church that makes us feel right and, and mm -hmm. looking for the spiritual practice that might make us feel right. And I, I think if you want to cultivate that, um, that real, that, uh, that deep, that intimate relationship with God, um, you know, going back to what we were saying with kind of going through the motions, sometimes you just have to go through the motions. I, I think part of it is just discipline mm -hmm. that, um, yes. you know, you, you have to open up the word and, and read it. Even when you don't feel like it, you have to pray. Even when you don't feel like it, mm -hmm. you have to go to church on Sunday when you're in a bad mood and mm -hmm. you're, you, you just had an argument with your wife and your kids are not, you know, that you can't find anyone's shoes and, yes. and, uh, <laughs> you know, yes. and you're feeling completely unfit and unworthy. And like, why would we go to church this morning? Drag yourself to church, whether you feel like it or not, you know, discipline yourself to do those practices. And, and it's amazing. Like every time, God just pours out his grace. You, mm -hmm. you, you take one little tiny, weak, uh, pathetic step toward him and he just lavishes you with his grace. And, and I think, you know, when it comes to church community, you know, people can hurt us, you know, anytime you're in a community, you know, people wrong each other, people mm -hmm. sin against each other, um, learning to forgive, um, learning to be long suffering and, and persist in that community, persist in that daily practice, um, regardless of whether or not you're feeling it or, mm. or you know, really uh, feel like you're even getting a lot out of it. Um, sometimes that those feelings come and go, but um, God, God is gracious and, and, and he, he gives you what you need for the moment. Um, and I, I think I've, I've just found that sometimes you just, <laughs> you know, you have to, you just have to do, you, you have to be obedient. You mm. know, like Jesus, Jesus said that, you know, unless you're like, become like one of these little children, mm -hmm. um, you can't enter the kingdom of heaven. And, and a lot of the Christian walk is just a uh, simple childlike obedience to your, your, your dad. Um, 
I love trusting that. That, he, that he knows better and that he's going to take care of you, uh, regardless of whether you have the right feelings or not, I guess. There's a great new book out there titled The Postmodern Pilgrim's Progress, an allegorical tale by some conspicuous characters, Kyle Mann and Joel Berry. Do you know anything about this book? Can you give us a little <laughs> primer? Does it kind of resonate with what you're saying? Yeah, yeah. Well, I guess it does. So um, Kyle had... Um, he had had this in his mind a long time to kind of do a, a rewrite uh, or a, a you know kind of a, a modern retelling of the, of the Pilgrim's Progress and what 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 we love about the book The Pilgrim's Progress which is I mean an incredibly influential it's it, arguably the first uh, novel ever written in English um, hmm. in the Middle Ages by John Bunyan um, and it's an allegorical tale of a, of a guy named Christian who who goes on this journey to the celestial city and it has a lot of lessons. Uh, in it about the Christian walk. And, and for many hundreds of years, um, it was the second best-selling book right behind the Bible. Mm-hmm. And most people would, you know, if, if you looked on their shelves, they would have a copy of the Bible and they'd have a copy of Pilgrim's Progress. And um, uh, so, you know, obviously we're not, uh, we're, we don't have so much hubris to to think that we can, <laughs> you know, do that, totally do it justice. But what we love about the Pilgrim's Progress, uh, the originals, is there is a kind of a satirical edge to it. Um, you know, Christian will will be walking along the path to the celestial city, and he'll 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 stumble upon a character named Fool. You know, and you're mm. like, and, and you're like, Christian, why are you listening to a guy named Fool? You know, <laughs> you know. Uh, and so uh, there there's almost a kind of a, a Babylon B feel to some of that, and we thought that we could we could bring kind of our satirical voice to that and retell it uh for for modern audience but the kind of the running theme in the postmodern pilgrim's progress is this sense that um you know I, I think where christians are in in our first world america right now uh that is i, I feel like our christian culture is it, it feels like it's waning mm-hmm. in a lot of ways for sure, for um, sure. a lot is crumbling um, you know, pastors and, and high-profile Christian figures are being caught in scandal and moral failings mm-hmm. and things like that. Um, I think um, this sense that, uh, you know, taking one little step of, of faith and obedience at a time is sometimes all you can do mm-hmm. in the Christian walk. Um, and you just have to trust that, that, that God is going to take care of you from there. I love that. Folks, you are tuned in to Ignite Radio Live with Greg and Stephanie Schleter. So blessed to have our brother Joel Berry from the Babylon Bee uh, with us here, sharing his story and talking about uh, just the foundation, really, of life and existence. In a second, we're going to turn toward some of this important work. But before we go too far away, this book, The Postmodern Pilgrim's Progress by Kyle Mann and Joel Berry, one accolade from uh, content you may be familiar with, the creator of The Chosen, Dallas Jenkins, says, very funny and meaningful. But here's another thing. The book is important, all caps, important. I read the end thinking, please, God, make sure so many people read this. So we do encourage you folks to check this out at Amazon.com or probably many places. Just plug it in. The Postmodern Pilgrim's Progress. So I'm not sure when that book came out, but you're working on a new book also or awaiting (laughs) another one to come out? Is that correct? Yeah, we're we got a we got a few things going on. So we we just released uh, the Babylon Bee Guide to Democracy a few weeks ago. Okay. Um, and we're we're currently working on the uh, well. This is I guess this is a scoop for you guys because I don't think this is uh, awesome. This is... Breaking it here. <laughs> we, we won't tell yeah, you're anybody. Hearing it, you're hearing it first now. Don't tell anybody. But we're working on the Babylon <laughs> Bee Guide to to Gender, 
Oh, mm. awesome. Release, release next year. So we're going to wade into those waters, I think. You fascist. <laughs> How dare you presuppose so that words mean what they I purport mean, to mean? People, we Isn't need... everyone a fascist now? Yes, so. yes. If you family, you believe in uh, yes. traditional values, you're, you're a fascist. You're a fascist, <laughs> right. And we, we need to go there. So thank you for going there. But listeners go there. Greg mentioned some of our past episodes where we do take on some of these uncomfortable topics where it is important to break the old (laughs) false adage about not talking politics and religion with people. Mm. We need to be in the arena and the Babylon Bee does just that and certainly with Christian foundations. So again, we encourage you to check them out, to subscribe, to be humored, to be encouraged. I do have to say though, Joel, (laughs) Of recent, oh, I don't know, the last year and a half, (laughs) it's hard to tell if it's humor or real headlines because we are so messed right Mm. now. Um, I don't know if you want to comment on that at all. Before he does, because in context, um, let's let's make this shift. And I just want to say, Joel, again, thank you. Echoing, thank you for your service to our country, which right now I'm just going to say many whom I know are still serving this country faithfully, loyally, are deeply concerned about the degree to which it's been sissified. I don't know what other word Mm. we can use, but two questions. Are we facing a kind of spiritual, moral battlefield of great consequence in our country and throughout the world? And give us some sense of the shape. What are some of the things that sort of define this current battlefield? In particular, the Christians are called to be engaged. Yeah, well, that's, um, man, it, it, it really is um, it really is a spiritual battle, and I, I really do think that uh, there's no other way out of this uh, than, than spiritual revival. Um, mm. I think um, our culture uh, has kind of thrown off um, what is essentially 2,000 years of, of, uh, of accumulated wisdom mm. started with uh, started with Jesus and Jesus and Socrates. I mean, you know, it started with with Judaism the and, Greeks, uh, and yeah. then and the ancient Greeks, and then, and then Jesus, um, you know, we have, we've kind of crawled out of, of the dark ages over 2000 years. Um, and our, our culture has kind of just decided we're throwing that in the trash. We're going to start our our own new moral order from scratch. Mm -hmm. Um, we're going to redefine, uh, sexuality. We're going to redefine, um, you know, right and wrong. We're going to redefine, uh, reality itself. And um, so it really is, I mean, you know, we're, we're kind of, we've kind of passed through postmodernism. We're kind of now into post-postmodernism. The, 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 the prevailing mm-hmm. um, idea of our culture is, is self-definition. You know, the, the, mm, the best yes. thing that you can do is to be true to yourself and your feelings to live out your truth. And, and it's, I mean, it's, it's the oldest thing in the book. I mean, there's nothing new about any of this. This goes back to Lucifer. You know, right. Lucifer right. said, I will be like the most high. You know, I'm not going to allow my creator to define who I am. Um, better to better to rule in hell than to serve in heaven. Mm-hmm. You know, we are going to be our own gods. We are going to define who we are, and we're going to define who we serve and who we don't serve. You know, autonomy, um, casting off authority. Um, it's, 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 it's nothing new. And then, and, the Bible says that, you know, they will promise you freedom, but they themselves are slaves of their own corruption. Mm-hmm. And, and um, that's exactly what we're seeing. We're yes. seeing this movement that is is promising to free people from the shackles of whatever it might be, the patriarchy or religion or, or you know, old stodgy morality. And what they're just becoming enslaved 
to their own lust, to, to their own, their nerve endings and, and their, their, um, their, the, the kind of the philosophies of the current age. And it's just absolute chaos right now. And yes. so I think so um, well said. it's, and it's all political now too. Mm-hmm. So, you know, you, you mentioned, you know, how the kind of the, you know, we talk about how politics and religion, you, not something that you should talk about with, in company with family, things like that. That's become unavoidable now because yeah. everything has become politicized. Mm-hmm. And, and the more we shrink back from those types of conversations, um, the more that that perverse movement is going to continue to march forward. Um, and so I think it's uh, a lot of Christians are, are, are having that gut check where they have to they're realizing that they have to say something at some point. Mm-hmm. They have to decide that there's a line that they're not going to cross. And I mean, they're facing this in work. You know, do I put pronouns in my bio? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, do I speak out a, 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 about this diversity, equity, inclusion training that they, they've brought you know, to our to our workplace? And so, um, you know, it, I think it's something that every Christian has to answer for themselves, you know, before God in light of what they know about the truth and the scriptures, um, you know, when are you going to take your stand? Very well put. And I want to raise the subject also. It's way beyond our pay grade to really know the machinations of the leaders that are leading this world. But the last two years, we saw clear lines dotting a runway that should cause one to question the degree to which forces beyond us are conspiring and weaponizing politics, systems, institutions to an end that none of us would have owned, no Christian certainly would have owned, none of the major religions would have owned prior to even 15, 20 years ago, shutting down churches, uh, nothing else Mm. caused churches to shut down, and all the history of Christendom, including plagues, and the ease with which leaders allowed that to happen, and again, we have sympathy for the fact that they were beholden to uh, official narratives, right, that that they trusted two, three years prior. I mean, if folks didn't get anything in the last two years, hopefully we've gotten you cannot uncritically accept every narrative that comes from any official entity. And that means a difficult place of needing to say, well, what is true? How do we understand what is truth so that we can guide our lives? Well, the morals don't change. Hopefully, that that's, to me, the major thing you're speaking of. Morals don't change. God did not change his mind. Um, in right. all of human history, every single major religion opposed the prominent platform of the Democrat Party. I'm just stating that as fact. Did God yeah. change his mind? Is he schizophrenic? So that has not changed. But the delivery of that, the, the weaponizing it and changing it with language and all of that really is a fog of war. And I think you really point to, and I just maybe want you to go here, what does it take for a godly Christian who loves God, desires God's desire for every person to know him, but to speak into the fog, to be an instrument, a disciple of Christ in the midst of that fog, because that's what you're doing. There is a, a, a prophetic edge to what we're doing. Um, you know, we we love the Catholic writer G.K. Chesterton. Mm. He said yes. that uh, humor can get in under the door while seriousness is still fumbling at the handle. Love that. And um, we've found that, you know, a little joke, um, a, a meme um, has this way of kind of cutting through the noise, uh, you know, of, of inputs. You know, all of us are, are being bombarded uh, from all angles all the time from, you know, with distractions. Uh, and, and the Babylon Bee kind of just has this way of cutting through all that sometimes, getting to a truth. Um, pretty effectively and pretty quickly. So I, I, th- I think that's pretty awesome. Um, I, I don't know. I mean, for people that don't have a platform like that, you know, who, mm-hmm. who aren't writing humor for a living or, or uh, you know, 
writing books, things like that. Um, I, I am, I'm still, I'm, I'm not totally sold on the effectiveness of, of, of social media. Um, I, th- I think for one, because everything is so suppressed and censored now. Mm-hmm. Um, I think there is this sense to where these, the, the powers that be are, um, are suppressing a lot of the truth on social media. Um, I think it can, can, um, I can, I think it can result in, in tension between, uh, you know, family members and loved ones. You have all these big, you know, drawn out political arguments on uh, that. There's a, that's one of the reasons I don't post on Facebook anymore because all my relatives are on there. <laughs> <You know? laughs> I'll, I'll go to town on Twitter because everyone on Twitter is down for a fight, you know, um, and most of them are, are anonymous, but on, on Facebook, I, t- I post something and it's like, you know, my, my sister, uh, or, you know, people who don't believe, you know, it, 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 it's not profitable. Uh, I think at least in my experience, I, I think it's still important. I think that we need to be able to speak the truth, um, uh, with confidence. Uh, I think that there is a place for social media to do that, but I, I guess, I, I think for most people where, where the battle, uh, needs to be fought, um, is, face to face with with mm. people with neighbors mm. and friends and family um we need to bring back uh face to face conversations mm. and and long form conversation like this is that's one reason why i love podcasts i mm. you know i um the the soundbite world of cable tv and the you know the the character limited tweet uh world um I, you know i it's fun uh, it's fun to kind of get thoughts out there but um i really do think that um you know, this is one thing that that you know the the powers that be that that manage the covid crisis you know they they cut us off from each other um mm-hmm. and i do think there was a spiritual element to that as well that that, that, that there were <laughs> there were dark forces at work <laughs> in, yes. In, mm-hmm. in, yes in 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 uh um cutting us off from from each other and i i think that we need to very uh be very intentional about um human connection face-to-face conversations uh with our our circle of influence i think you know if you start with your neighbors your friends uh your your family members people that you have conversations with already um breach breach these subjects with them face to face have have meaningful conversations with them i think if 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 christians as a whole are very intention intentional about that that's where you get that that kind of that groundswell of, uh, of grassroots, you know, spiritual revival. It's, it's, I think it often comes from the bottom up, not the top down. Um, and so that's, that's one thing I'm trying to be better at, at mm-hmm. doing. I, I actually, uh, uh, there, I had kind of a, a troll that would come after me on social media all the time. <laughs> what a always, gift. One of my, yeah. Right. He was one of my reply guys. He would always, these angry, hateful comments. And I found out he lived in my area he, he lived <laughs> close to me. And so I reached out to him. I DM'd him and I said, Hey, would you like to get dinner sometime? You know, we'll go on a double date, you and your girlfriend, me and my wife, and and we'll get dinner. And and so we did. <laughs> we wow. had That's awesome. We Joel. This this hateful, angry guy who just hated everything I said and just spewed all kinds of nasty stuff. We broke bread together. We had a conversation. And um I love it. And, and people when you get face to face amazing. With them, it it a lot of that breaks down. You can't be nasty to someone when you're looking into their eyes. <laughs> you know, there's, there's a certain amount of empathy that you, you get from, from a face-to-face meeting. So, so shoot for those, you know, you people, people are, 
you can be more effective than you realize. You don't need a big platform with a million followers to make a, a, a huge difference um, in the world. I mean, Jesus did it with with 12 guys, mm-hmm. um, you know, and we can do the same following his example, I think. I love that. I just I just want to underscore, yeah, highlight everything, actually. <laughs> but <laughs> underscore with that highlight, um, during the COVID time where the powers to be did what they did. And I think people, even though, Maybe innately they knew the negative, devastating effect on them um, personally of isolation. I think many have had a hard time coming out of that, like almost a complacency in it. So thank you for those words and just encourage all those listening again to to take that step, you know, whether it is that face-to-face uncomfortable conversation, but based in relationship, but just to have conversations, to have that face-to-face, to have those points of connections in your community, with your neighbors, with your family, with even your church members. My goodness, sometimes those are the most hurting, volatile relationships that one can experience. And so to come before the Lord to worship, I think he's expecting <laughs> and desiring a little more of us, you know, as his children, but why not go there? Absolutely. So thank you for that witness. That's so awesome. There's a particular article that just Steph, maybe you can join me in reading it as an example at the Babylon Bee regarding this concept of quiet quitting, which I think points to kind of a spiritual lethargy. It's, it points to maybe uh, uh, people really struggling with uh, recovering from the fog of the last couple years of knowing everything we spoke of in the beginning of this podcast, your own journey, God cares about us. He's wanting to speak to us personally. He wants us to know that this moment is consequential, but in a humorous sort of form to me, that's the underlying message. So Steph, maybe you can alternate paragraphs with me as you read this fun article at the Babylon Bee, the title, Employee Having Trouble, Quiet Quitting Because He Was So Lazy to Begin With. (laughs) Um, Anyways, uh, a local man is struggling to rid himself of his job despite ramping up his quiet quitting efforts over the last several weeks. Reports indicate that these challenges are likely the result of him being incredibly lazy at work from the very beginning. I'm not sure what else to do, said Daniel Costilla to reporters as he spent yet another Zoom call playing video games. I tried really hard to quiet quit (laughs) by reducing my efforts to zero, but it appears I already did that years ago. I'm trying to make it obvious I don't want to work here anymore, but nobody seems to notice. (laughs) These are the types of challenges we millennials face on a daily basis. Costilla now spends most of his workday sitting, sleeping, or staring endlessly at his cell phone, similar to what he did before quiet quitting. When reached for comment about Costilla, his boss replied, Who? Not sure someone by that name works for us. Costilla's co-workers, however, have taken notice of his dedication to laziness. Honestly, it almost seems like he's putting even more effort into being more consistently lazy than usual, said Costilla's co-worker, Andrew Huff. It's actually kind of inspiring in a weird way. Kudos to you guys, whoever wrote that. Uh, I don't know if you can admit it or whatever, but but just an example. What What's going on in that article? What's What motivated it and kind of what are some of the underlying ideas? Yeah. Well, you... You kind of spoke to it there that, that there has been um, this this lethargy that is left over from from COVID, and you, and you almost see it everywhere you go. I mean, you, you go to a restaurant or you go to a, a grocery store. Um, there seems to just kind of be this general apathy and and uh, malaise almost. Um, gosh, I, I don't know. There's so there's so much that's I, I think feeding into that. Um, you know, I think that uh, 
being isolated for so long, I think a lot of people probably fell into it, different addictions, not, mm-hmm. not even necessarily actual substance abuse, but, you know, addiction to, you know, to, to alcohol or to Netflix or to pornography or, mm-hmm. or, or what have you. I think a lot of Christians, you know, I, I have, I've talked to Christians recently who have said, you know, yeah, we, our church started doing zoom church and I just kind of, you know, I just kind of stopped watching the zoom calls and mm-hmm. I haven't really got around to going back. You know, maybe I will. I just, eh, you know, eh. that's that's kind of the general feeling. <laughs> just, eh. I love that. I mean, you're addressing real human maladies. People right now who are struggling with that, many, if not directly, certainly family members and how it is affecting things. And as you spoke of the Chesterton quote, how humor does have a way of maybe reaching us and um, kind of in sort of via negativa, you know, in the convention of language and communication you're using, it reinforces, I think, you know, you matter, your gifts matter, what God has blessed you with and anointed you with matter. And maybe even that second question that sort of it, it begs, how can you get back in the game? You know, if you are struggling with this, what is one step you can take to recognize that that your work is consequential? It can be dignified an occasion of giving God glory and living in its fullness, and it can be discovered. That joy can be rediscovered. So I had mentioned before just not knowing what was actually a true headline and what was actually a Babylon B headline. Um, yeah. Case in point, uh, I think it was last week, the comments about a baby's heartbeat is it some sort of trickery mm. is my paraphrase of it. Mm-hmm. Which How dare they? Actually, when I read the headline of that wherever I saw it, I thought it was a Babylon B thing, <laughs> but it was a real deal news headline. But you guys, listeners, check it out um, on their website, the Babylon B. Um, there's a great little spoof on their headline is eight ways besides heartbeats that women are tricked into thinking that babies are alive. Um, so but these are these are moments, though, like you're saying, with that humor to, you know, get in there. And and I think even um for those of us who may be on the same page, if you will, for the most part, but have come a bit um, or settled into a certain place of lethargy or whatever, when you read some of these things or see some of these memes, it's like, wow, that's significant. Like, you know, instead of just bypassing it, like, you know, like recently, again, the, you know, new, the first female prime minister um, of Italy, who's so pro-family mm. and so pro-life and mm. just really goes there and she's being labeled with all these nasty things right now. But, mm. you know, the the headline from, from you guys is leftists announced they no longer support strong, independent women. <laughs> but like, think about that. Like, you know what I mean? Instead of being like, oh, you know, just hearing the other news or whatever. It's like, wait, why is nobody celebrating the fact if we're so pro women, you know, in all these other ways, like, why wouldn't we celebrate her just for that thing? And we're not, obviously, because of what she stands for threatens the enemy. Yeah. Uh, well, it's funny. You, you can really tell how much they fear her by the number of times they, they use the word far to describe her. So yes. like, far right, far, far, far extremist, right wing, fascist, far, far, you know, right. right. Like, they're really, they're really <laughs> overcompensating. For right. Really trying to paint this, this woman out to be an extremist. And, and it, 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 it is kind of comical, but just by itself, that how desperate they are, um, you know, uh, but yeah, the, <laughs> I, you mentioned the, the ultrasound one too, that, that was, that was funny. I, I like the, uh, uh, my favorite take on that was, because that came from Stacey Abrams, I think, right? Yes. Yeah. Um, yeah. Stacey Abrams had said that, that the ultrasound, the sound of the heartbeat and the ultrasound was, uh, it was cre- kind of like created by the patriarchy to, to 
you know, trick women into letting them control their bodies or something like right. that. Right. Yes. Um, so our, my favorite take on that was uh, Stacey Abrams uh, bursts through the wall like the Kool-Aid man to tell overjoyed mother that the heartbeat shit sound she's hearing is fake. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Looney Tunes picture of Stacey Abrams busting through the wall. That's so but, good. Um, yeah, I, uh, you know, I guess going back to the overall feeling you talk about the the lethargy or the the, the malaise the apathy um i don't know i can only speak personally to this i think um for me uh, my way out of it um is uh is just obedience because the scripture is really clear mm-hmm. yes, <laughs> about how yes. we are to live our lives you know uh, the bible says forsake not the gathering of yourselves together as mm-hmm. the, as is the habit of some you know wh- whatever your hand finds to do do it with all your your might you know work to as to the lord and not for men and um you know i i experienced i i worked a dead-end corporate job that i hated mm-hmm. for 10 years you know i i i had to find meaning in my work outside the work itself you know i I wasn't going to work every day thinking, you know, wow, I'm I'm so excited to to sell some more logistics services to a manufacturing company today. Mm. That's I just live for this stuff. I mean, some people do, and that's fine, but I didn't. Um, you know, I I had to go to work every day with the attitude that I'm I'm doing this out of obedience to God. Mm. I'm doing this to to take care of my family because I love them, and I'm doing this as an act of worship. I mean, we we have to remember that worship doesn't end when we leave church on Sundays. We, we go and it's a way of life. It's a, it's an absolute way of life. And so, you know, obey, obey God, <laughs> do what you know to be true, whether you feel like it or not. And, and the feelings kind of follow, <laughs> like mm-hmm. it's, it's amazing. God is gracious. The, the feelings and the fulfillment and the happiness and the motivation and the drive that all follows. But first you just kind of have to take that step of like, okay, I'm doing this because I know that it's the right thing to do. And that's all I have to hold on to right now. I love that. I equate the Babylon Bee to kind of a modern day linguistic uh, pub where people are gathering <laughs> and conversing and having meaningful interactions like about that, things that right? matter. And you sort of exhibiting that uh, in wanting the, the gold standard of human connection to the, the, the friend you spoke about who is your nemesis uh, and connected with him. And I just think that's a strong point for all of us. We've kind of lost those platforms and places where we can say, hey, I'm imperfect. I'm a work in progress. I'm not going to presume to erase the truth, though, because I struggle with it. And on that basis, those two things, I'm far from the mark, but I'm not going to presume to erase the mark because I'm far from it, uh, to, to engage in the conversation. And I do think really at the heart of all this, it's sort of the elephant in the room for anybody in any kind of conversation is, is there an objective truth? Is there an objective good? Without which all words are absurd, right? It can be whatever anyone yeah. wants it to be. Why even talk? Why even speak? And in this uh, way, I do think that's where the Philippians 2 comes in. You know, every knee shall bow and every tongue confess because it's inescapable. The Those who um, are unknowingly or knowingly, uh, if you will, apprenticed by the enemy unseen are assailing the very premise they need. They're assailing objective truth. They're asserting objective truth to, a, to assail objective truth. When they say, uh, Abrams is saying about the heartbeat, she's presupposing every word that she's using is something we ought to accept as true. And that's going to be on a collision course, and we see that happening. And I think we see in the stream of the post-postmodern world the wake of destruction, and this is the Christian moment. This is the Christian moment where those who have been wounded and broken, Antifa uh, byline fatherless society, byline of Black Lives Matter, fatherless society, godless society. And a lot of it, let's face it, is a look in the mere moment of we who profess Christ, are we endeavoring 
to make our homes that kind of vibrant encounter for Christ? Are we witnessing to that? These are some of the themes that I think, you know, I know you are all about in your testimony and those united with you. And you're reaching out in the culture to try to connect with people in a fun, engaging way with objective truth, objective goodness, and to draw them into a sense of you have a purpose, you have a meaning. And yes, together, you know, we are on this sort of journey where we can discover a flourishing, as Aristotle would say, you invoked the Greeks, but Christ baptized that, right? That this is a transcendence and the capacity, this moment in time, it's just one yeah. grain of sand that determines how we spend the vast seashore of sand. I want to give you the last word, Joel. We're so blessed that you are with us, folks, with Greg and Stephanie, uh, Ignite Radio Live. You can uh, check us out at igniteradiolive.com. We do direct you to Joel's very good work at babylonb.com. A lot of great books that they have out. Uh, again, I do think it's kind of an online pub, a place where there's um, conviviality, joy in the midst of it. And it challenges us all to embrace a truth and a good that we cannot create but who created us. So any final thoughts? And then, Joel, I'm going to put you on the spot, if you don't mind, just leading us as the Spirit may guide you to lead us in prayer. Sure, yeah. Um, I guess I'll, I'll leave saying that um, at the Babylon Bee, there is a joy that drives us. There is a hope mm. that drives us. I, and I think it's really important to acknowledge that. The job of a comedian oftentimes is to deconstruct and to point out absurdity. But, mm. but as Christians, our job uh, is more than that. You know, we, we, we deconstruct uh, bad arguments and bad philosophies, but then we also point to the hope and the truth and the reality um, at, beyond that. Mm -hmm. I hope people listening to this can be encouraged that it's never wrong to speak the truth. Mm -hmm. It's never hateful to speak the truth. I think it's good to follow the example of Jesus. He had this amazing way of just giving the plain truth to people, um, oftentimes very uncomfortable truth. Mm -hmm. Um, but he was never uh, he was never unloving. There was there was a perfect uh, union of grace and truth. Mm, I love that. Dealt with people, um, you know, and I, I think, too, I also want to encourage people that um, we don't know how this is going to turn out uh, in the short term. Um, you know, America may be on its last leg. You know, uh, persecution may come. Uh, I don't know. I can't I can't pretend to, to predict the future, but um the Babylon Bee, our, our name Babylon Bee, is a reference to uh, the exile when the, when Israel was conquered by what was then the greatest kingdom on earth. They were taken from their homes. Mm -hmm. The temple was ransacked, um, and you had these characters: Daniel, you know, Hananiah, Mishael, Azariah, who who stood up um, and and continued to follow God, even though they were alone, even though were, they were exiled in a dark and pagan place. Uh, and they eventually saw the fall of that kingdom, you know, yeah. a, a kingdom that that I'm sure ma mankind thought would be established forever. The Babylonian Empire fell um, and it fell at the, at the whim of the Almighty. Mm. Um, and I, I think as Christians, as we're, we're kind of wringing our hands ab about the sorry state of the world and, and uh, are frustrated by the um, the lies and the deception and, um, and the corruption that we see all around us. Um, it's good to remember that um, our king um, is on the throne um, and his kingdom will never be overthrown. And um, and we know who wins in the end, um, mm -hmm. regardless of what happens in the short term to us um, or to our churches or our families. Mm -hmm. His his kingdom will never end and his church will be established and continue to grow. And um, there's nothing anyone can do about that. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so <Amen>. there. <laughs> so yes. there. <laughs> yes. Amen. Awesome. And, 
And in the meantime, we can have joy. You know, we can mm -hmm. have fun a little bit because we we have that long term hope. Uh, it's not coming from the next election necessarily, mm -hmm. or who's who's who the judges are. It's our our hope is so much more transcendent than that. It kind of frees us up a little bit to to just live in simple obedience to God and 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 have some joy. You know. Um, uh, Joke around a little bit. It's okay love to that. do that. <laughs> yes. Absolutely love it. And needed. Absolutely love it. Yes, absolutely. Right now, needed. Joel, if you could lead us in a prayer. Yeah. Father in heaven, um, we are so unworthy. Hmm. Your grace uh, is, is so extravagant. Your faithfulness uh, endures. Your word is true and sure and Lord, we thank you that you have um, revealed yourself to us. We thank you for your word. We thank you for giving us your Holy Spirit, Lord. We thank you that, that you have placed this hope within us. And that, that living for you and that worshiping you um, is our joy, not just a duty. Lord, right now we pray for our country. Lord, we pray for the people to our left and to our right, people who are neighbors and friends who are held captive by the lies of the devil, held captive by their own flesh. And Lord, we pray that you would use us in the lives of, of people that you've placed in, in our lives, that you would use us to be your hands and feet, to bring the truth of the gospel to the lost, to the dying. Lord, we are we are nothing more than beggars before you. We are in need of your grace and your salvation. And, and I pray that you would help us as beggars to humbly go find the other beggars and show them where we found this bread that you so faithfully give to us. And, and I, I pray that through that, through the simple obedience of your people, that you would bring about revival in our country, yes, Lord. bring about revival in our politics, um, in our institutions, um, and in our hearts. And we entrust this country to you. We entrust our families and our children to you. You are the Lord of all, and mm -hmm. you, do, you will do what's best. We love you and pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. We agree. Thank you. Amen. Joel, so blessed to know you, and uh, hopefully we'll have you back again soon, but do know of our thoughts and prayers and being kindred with you in this mission. You articulated so beautifully throughout the this entire program. At the end, I think, though, with great uh, precision and clarity that I really align with, that we're here for a purpose, and God is in it, and he's given us his heart to love so many others with a great end in mind. Folks, thank you so much for being with us tonight. Greg and Stephanie Schleter on Ignite Radio Live. Check out our other programs at igniteradiolive.com. And we do invite you to recognize this is more than just a media. It's a movement at the very heart, our personal relationship with God overflowing to marriage and family. Check it out at ilovemyfamily.us. Until next time, God, God bless, bless you. you.